this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Dot com. <laughs> I see what you're doing, Jay, and I don't like it one bit. Jay, this week is a poll that... Uh, amongst the polls that we have had is the most contentious. I mean, we've had some contentious close polls and, uh, this one is without a doubt the most contentious of all time. Now the winner of this poll, I'll just say right now was Pinback. The second place runner up was Billy Idol. We decided to just throw out the winner and we're going to do Billy Idol. I mean, I, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Billy Idol was the emotional champion. Uh, I know, I know, I know that there were some discrepancies in the votes. Uh, we had results coming in after the deadline. Uh, people claimed to have voted, but it, oh, it was. Are you calling in Cyber Ninjas? Uh... We called them the Cyber Ninjas. They said the winner was actually Kay's choice, which makes it even weirder. I wondered if there was all these random. Uh guys that showed up my house and just started ripping all the hard drives out of my computers and throwing yes. them all over. Uh, you know, this was, I mean, this was literally, I, I, there was a revolt happening on, on discord with uh, people just losing their mind. that Billy idols. Cyberpunk was winning this poll for a long time. Why is it that, could, why I, is I don't know so why that was such a big deal. I mean, it was suggested by one of our patrons. Uh, it was actually suggested by, uh, Patrick Testa. It's I think a 90, it's a nineties yeah. album. It's very nineties. Right. It didn't sell very well. Like, Nope. Seems right. In our it it would have been an interesting uh, discussion. I've never listened to the album myself. I, I haven't either. I only remember either a video or maybe like a tonight show appearance where he was all cyberpunked out. I want to believe, I want to believe that he just, he wore like those sunglasses that had the little lines in them. <laughs> and then he used a vocoder for the whole album. Like, that's what I want to believe. Like, it's like trans, like his, like Neil Young's trans. Uh, but it's not, I, I know it's not. I'm, I'm assuming it was more like him doing prodigy, but. I don't know. I've never, I still haven't listened to it and I won't until we actually end up reviewing it. So the other, the winner was Willie Dillon's pick, Pinback, uh, which ties into our San Diego episode that we did a couple years back. This is a, a San Diego band. Rob Crow was mentioned on that episode, and and he's in this band. The other uh, picks that didn't quite make it were um, Sonic Chromes, Breathe the Daylight. That was by Jeremy Amend. Richard Waterman suggested Burning Waters, Abadado, Abandonado. I don't know. Abba Dabba Dooba. Eric Peterson's uh, pick was uh, the self-titled album by the Dark Fantastic. Kyle Bittner's was Boote by Bear Jr. Andy Menchal suggested Wolf Songs for Lambs by Jonathan Fireeater. And Daz suggested Fast Stories from Kid Coma by Truly. I thought Truly might have gotten more votes, but it didn't. 
uh, it ended up towards the bottom. Burning Water was last, then Sonic Chrome. Yeah. Uh, truly, Jonathan Fire Eater, Bear Jr., and uh, Case Choice, Dark Fantastic, all, all under 10 votes. It was really just, it was a one-two race between Pinback and Billy Idol, which is the first time that s- sentence has ever been uttered <laughs> in human history. I just want to say that. There's so few times that you get to say something uh, that hasn't been said before or think yep, something. Yep, yep. The, the human Love experience it. is so expansive that we usually don't really have unique thoughts. So when you say something like the the pole between Pinback and Billy Idol, you can guarantee that that's never happened before. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. A, a billion people have said I'm going to get a cup of coffee. That's not an original thought. I'm going to bask in it. That wouldn't yeah. have been possible in the 90s. It would have been all too, like, I don't know, segmented yep. and judgy. And now we're just like, hey, man, it's all the same thing. Let's and uh, this was so close. It does make Cyberpunk eligible for a second chance review when we get down to our open reviews at the end of the year. So mm. we'll have to look at the polls, how they all shook out during the year. I, I think there was another one that was pretty close. And uh, we'll see where this... Uh, this one ends up, but we might end up getting back to uh, back to this. It, it, there was a lot of comments. I, I can't even get there's almost forty comments on this. Nobody wants to hear me read off yeah. forty comments. Um, I'll just I'll just grab a couple that are I mentioned. Pinback. Gary Moran said Pinback is fantastic. Underrated band. Even it doesn't even it doesn't win the poll. Give him a listen. Jeremy Mann said, I wish a later album from Pinback qualified as this album, while I do love it, is not as consistent as some later ones. Not sure how Jay will feel about the grooves. He might seize them as ruts. We shall see. Hmm. Grooves or ruts. I like that analogy. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Hooper was for Jonathan Fire Eater. Kyle Bittner was for Bear Jr. Uh, <laughs> Frank RCL said, uh, is it trolling if I voted for Billy Idol Cyberpunk? <laughs> I remember what a big deal it was. It had a CD-ROM features, and it was the future of music. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I totally remember that. Yep. Shell from I Hate the 90s said, I received a promo of the Billy Idol Cyberpunk CD when I was at the uh, Student University radio station, and it included a Macintosh, di- Macintosh disc. Amazing. That's crazy. Uh, James Stelter said Mark Pickerel is on her twice. Dark, fantastic, and truly. That's interesting. Didn't know that until he pointed that out. Uh, Sean Brown said, totally get it if Pinbacker Billy Idol snags this one. Psyched to see how much love Pickerel is getting around here, too. But he was he went with Case Choice, which they did have a, a pretty solid radio single, not an addict, that got some play in the 90s. We, we'll probably get to that at some point. Uh, John Seaman went with Bear Jr., Richard Waterman, of course. He had his pick in, but he said, hey, people, let's give Willie Dillon his wish. Pinbacker, an underrated band. So he turned against his own pick and voted for Pinback. Uh, David Gorgo said the Billy Idol CD is so 90s and so terrible, I had to vote for it. Gavin said, I only heard uh, or casually heard this list, um, so I played them all. Pinback is interesting, except the vocal case Joyce was okay. Um, Burning Water has better music, but the actual songs and vocals are only so-so. Billy Idol can at least sing. Okay. 
Uh, Willie Dillon went with Pinback. Uh, Kyle Bittner threw a vote to Billy Idol, which angered Willie Dillon. And uh, Gabriel Guterres says, we're really going to choose Billy Idol, aren't we? Oh, it was so close, Gabriel. Uh, and we got more comments. I, I can't get through them all. We have Darren Lehman, uh, Nate, Keith Badge, Jeff Gentis, Patrick Testa. Thank you all for the comments. It was a lot of fun. Now, Jay, were you familiar with Pinback? You listened to them before? Yeah, I remember um, they were like a musician's band. That was my memory in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like people in other bands like them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not unlike what we talked about with Ida last week with uh, it being a little bit of a contrast to the, you know, sort of noisier stuff that we were probably all, you know, either playing or spending our time in bars at you know, late at night listening to. So I just remember it being, you know, a little softer, um, layered. I kind of remember the general sound and just the general, the buzz from other musicians. Um, I don't remember what album I would have listened to. Um, but I know I spent a little bit of time listening to the catalog. I, like you, I knew the name. I knew people who listened to them, but I had not checked them out. So this is my first exposure to the band, which is essentially two guys. It's Rob Crow, which we've talked about before on the San Diego episode. Um, he was in bands um, such as uh, Heavy Vegetable. Um, I think Three Mile Pilot was one of them. Nope, I'm not. I'm not right about that. Uh, he was in Heavy Vegetable, Thingy, Team Sleep. And uh, the other gentleman is Armistead Burwell Smith the Fourth, and then they also have a, they've had other members in the band. So Rob Crow basically plays vocals, guitar. Uh, Armstead Smith plays vocals and bass. They're the only two consistent members. And then Chris Prescott is the current drummer, although. Um, they haven't released anything since 2012. Um, there's been a number of other people in the band playing drums, keyboards, uh, mostly touring, um, other guitars, that kind of thing. And uh, at one point, they had like multiple keyboard players in the band to replicate, so they could replicate the the sound of what they were doing. And um, there you have a lot of connections to I mentioned Three Mile Pilot. Um, that was the band that uh, Armistead Burwell Smith, the fourth was in uh, besides Pinback. So they've released uh, five studio albums. This is we're talking about the debut, which is self-titled. It was also released in the UK under the name. This is Pinback. And it had two extra songs, but we're doing the U- U.S. version that was released on Ace Foo Records. Um, in 2001, they released the album Blue Screen Life that was also on Ace Foo. Um, Summer in Abandoned came out in 2004 on Touch and Go. Nautical Antiques came out in 2000, came out in 2006 um, on... Uh, what label? Don't have that. 
No, I'm sorry. That's a compilation album. Autumn of the Seraphs. <laughs> Seraphs? Seraphs? I don't know how to say that word. Uh, Touch and Go came out in 2007. And then Information Retrieved came out on Temporary Residence Limited in 2012. And they actually made it up to number 71 on the U.S. charts. They released a couple of compilations, Nautical Antiques in 2006, some off-sell voices in 2017, and then um, a bunch of EPs between 2000 and 2011. And that is the history of Pinback. Let's get into it, Jay. Let's talk about this record. Tell me one thing you liked about the self-titled record by Pinback. I like the the approach. It um, it sounds like like a band approaching music like an electronic project would or a studio project would, but it sounds band or performance oriented. You know, there's usually some kind of punchy, dry drum track that sounds a little looped, but also very like real. Um, and then there's this layering of, you know, usually like start with some kind of guitar track or a bass line and then like layering in pieces like another guitar part, accenting using organs um, or keyboards, synth a little bit here and there. So I just like that. Um, and they find grooves, you know, um, I like that approach I, and I like it that you don't get distracted by either too much repetition and monotony because they keep it fairly dynamic and meaning like not a lot of tempo shifts or anything like that, but like bringing in instruments to, or changing the chords or, you know, just playing in, interesting changes they're not challenging, but they're enough to keep you kind of engaged and at least for me, uh, actively listening. Whereas with sometimes this approach, you get lulled into, you know, kind of zoning out and just letting it kind of happen. So I think when it's working well, you know, they're using all of those acoustic instruments and tones and this kind of band sound but in a very like methodical almost electronic album production technique um so i think that's a really you know just interesting presentation i i think this you know could potentially be very cool live to see too the vocals i think are are pretty uh compelling at times i think there's some good melodies here he also uses the his voice kind of as an instrument you know some doo-doos and la-las and just weird sounds that like you could imagine being played on some other instrument but he's doing just vocally instead which is kind of cool uh just adds to that kind of layered uh production approach uh and, and also like just tonally he covers a lot of range you know I, there's times where this sounds like like track one triple e he gets into this almost Tom York radio ahead kind of harmony space in the course of that song. Uh, but then later on in the song, it sounds a little like death cab for cutie. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in here that could pass as, you know, simplified stripped down, almost built to spill songs in the way he sings, which is kind of unexpected. Um, so he's got a, 
you know, pretty interesting voice. I think it pops out of the music, but then other times it's very much an instrument, you know? Um, so and I think melodically it's, it's pretty strong. I mean, there's some, some ideas here um, that are pretty interesting and hooky and memorable. It's an interesting record in terms of the production and just, you know, overall presentation, you know, walking that line between band feel and studio project, which, which I enjoy. How about you? Well, I think the thing that definitely works the best for me is that they approach each song individually so that the drum beat or the, or the drum sounds on one song are really dialed in for that one song. You know, you'll have like a, a, a small kit or something. And then an, on another song, you'll have a, a loop built up. You can definitely tell it's an electronic loop. And the same thing goes for, for the bass. You know, on some of the songs, it's just sort of a straight, you know, uh, electric bass sound. But then on other ones, it sounds like a keyboard bass with some little fuzz put on it in some in some parts. And I liked that this sounded like two guys who kind of came with ideas and and not with we're going to make a band that sounds like this, but we're just going to write some songs and then apply whatever we think works best with each of the songs. And I think it really, when they're singing together, like on Tripoli, the opening track that you mentioned. That sounds really cool to have those two voices. Uh, that's not that's something you really hear a lot in indie rock. You hear doubling, you hear um, you know guys who will do harmonies with themselves, but to hear two guys singing together is a it's an interesting sound that you don't get a lot. Not in the same way that we, when the last record we just did, Ida, which had these three part harmonies and two part harmonies, that's going for a much prettier sound. This was almost as if um, you know, you mentioned Death Cab. This would be almost be if if uh, Ben Gibbard let Chris Walla, you know, sing with him on on those early Death Cab songs. Um, which that was a band. This gave me a, a lot of flashback to like the first two Death Cab records, early Modest Mouse. I was getting some, you know, some of those like picked. They're not acoustic, so you know they're picking them on like a clean guitar, and you're getting those you know weird notes here and there. And it kind of had that Modest Mouse vibe. I definitely heard it takes some of the quieter moments, restrained, uh, uh, boiled down, built to spill moments and utilizes them on is I think it's uh, is it Rousseau? It's got that like um, that beat that like uh, that loping sort of uh, beat to it. And then I think he's yelling like drones overhead or something. Mm -hmm. And that sounded a lot like, like Doug March when he was 
when he was singing that part, which isn't bad. I mean, the vocals kind of move in and out of the space where I think because we're hearing this for the first time where I'm like, oh, they kind of sound a little bit like Doug Marshall or that sounds a little bit like Ben Gibbard or that yep. sounded a little bit like, you know, somebody who's, who I'm much more familiar with. Um, but I can see how this would f- slide in perfectly into that sound. bands from i feel like the west coast whether you know san diego all the way up to seattle that were making you know death cab started out very deliberately slow on a lot of their stuff um at the beginning and there are a lot of bands that they weren't slow core because they weren't playing sort of hushed yep you know there's still like sound here there's still things happening which makes me more it gets me more engaged uh in the same way that like listen to that early death cab or even there were some moments that reminded me like sunny day real estate and just in terms of of vocals and where he would hit certain notes um but not as not as you know as big as jeremy enoch would go with with his vocal so well, i uh, there was a lot to like kind of pick apart as you're going yeah. through this and and find things you yeah. i think you're making me think of uh it, it, the the a lot of those bands you mentioned uh was kind of a a reaction to um if you took you know post hardcore and emo bands musicians and then they got tired of playing that right mm-hmm. but they still had the same chops and the same kind of aesthetic they just you know went for a style that was you know slower and quieter uh i i think i hear that in this you know, well, I think that's probably why it appealed to a lot of the bands that musicians and stuff that we knew at the time, because that was sort of, you know, what we were surrounded by. So this would make sense, you know, in it, terms of like it, it's speaking a similar vocabulary, but it's a different tone. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was a reaction to like you're saying, like there was so much loud that I mean, we saw it on the local level with a band. There was a band called Tiara here in Columbus, which had elements of of built to spill and but with a more spacey mellow deliberately slow sound um that totally fit in with with the death cab sound there were a lot of bands in that space and i think what was interesting is that and i you know i haven't seen pinback live is that sometimes you would see these bands live and the sound the the tempos would stay the same, but they might get a little louder. Yeah. You know what I mean? They wouldn't be, this was definitely a lot of bands that were making studio albums or were recording them, you know, on a, on a low budget at home. And then when they got out on the road, 
the amps were a little louder. There was a little more distortion. Yep. Uh, so it was an interesting time because you weren't always, you were getting a different performance live, Mm -hmm. um, on some of these records and I think the other thing that I, 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 I liked before we get into what didn't work is, um, even though there's a, a track to track difference in a lot of this, it doesn't feel like a disjointed album. No, like because of the way that they're able to tie these songs together, usually with vocal and guitar and then sort of build everything else up around them. Um, it does sound unified, which, you know, th- there is a lot of difference in, in some of these tracks um, in terms of production. So. Yeah. If you look at, if you listen to, I think you mentioned the bass tones. I think if you listen to a song like Tripoli, probably is a good example. Or uh, Crutch. Crutch, yeah. You know, so Tripoli is like a very flat, you know, uh, electric bass sound. You know, not as simple as you could get. Almost like an amp straight into a board. Versus Crutch's toll fuzzed out synth bass, right? So like, but it it just kind of pops a little bit. It doesn't sound like, whoa, where did, how do we end up here? <laughs> it's just. Oh, you know, just this has a little bit more grit and right low end, bottom end to it, and just slightly different oomph. Not, it's from another planet, which is you know kind of kind of hard to do. didn't work so well for you on the record it's missing like another gear and i well as we talk about you know maybe what the live presentation of this would be like haven't seen the band but it makes me wonder if you know if a little bit of that couldn't be brought into this to just keep that energy up it gets in the middle of the record uh, tra- tracks three through for me three four five uh, start to meander um the songs aren't as strong the melodies aren't as strong they get a bit drony um even like something like chaos engine where they play with dynamics of like bringing in another drum part it just sounds like a demo like it just it becomes too there's too much going on. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of stumbling, I think in there of like sketches of songs and different ideas. Shag has this kind of retro-y kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Or it's almost sound like they might be giants or something, which they're uh, just rhythmically, it's not in the place I want this band to be. I want this band to be straight, you know, more straightforward and almost mechanical. Um, and then let the, melodies and sort of emerge and those interesting guitar lines and chords do the work or like later in the record when they bring 
Um, there's a little bit more piano and organ, I feel like, and, and towards the second half of the record, which I think helps a ton with the dynamics mm-hmm. and the melodies. So there's just a middle section there that is lacking some oomph, some energy. Um, I don't know how else to say it that um, that I think could be better. Uh, I think it starts pretty strong. I think Tripoli's, you know, a strong beginning. And I think, you know, Loro, Crutch, Rousseau, Leon, Monte, Montagueño, Monte, I don't know what the, what that word is, the last song. Mm-hmm. Um, even that's get, it gets into a little bit of a waltz vibe, but kind of works as an album end, you know, as a, as a track to end on. Yeah. Um, it, it had it started to go into maybe a flaming lips kind of trippy feel to it at some point. So I'm on board with those. I just think there's some material on here. It's just demo or a rough level, not quite as inspired as some of the other stuff. Yeah, there's it. The, the yeah, the another gear is is the is the definitely the spot for me where I there's like slow and slower. Yep. And I needed I needed something just to kick in somewhere. Um, I understand that you know that that's their prerogative, but the middle of the record is tough. Like you said, there's a lot of slow. Um, there's a lot of small. I think is the other thing. Yeah, you know, Crutch has that great synth bass sound that really like fattens the the listening space and you you can hear it very it's very bold whereas opposed to you know with like chaos engine it's got that like casio keyboard sounding drum part with a i don't know if it's a farfisa or what kind of organ it is but it's not particularly beefy so yep. it's all like mid-rangey and and yeah it doesn't uh it doesn't invite re-listens for me. I kind of I that's the those those tracks where the p yeah, I think the piano adds a lot more um to it because of there's more taking up more space frequency wise. It just sounds fuller and the the thinner sounds do make it sound like these very minimalistic demos that don't work as well for me. Yep. And um I I don't it's funny we've done Ida and and now this and I'm like I'm kind of like oh um I kind of need to rock soon. I <laughs> I need yeah. I I felt the same about the I, I it seemed like it really you know Matt I, I could see this band in Ida touring. <laughs> Or playing house shows together. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it, it's not that it's, um, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing on here that I was like, oh, that's, that's a terrible mistake. Yeah. Um, there's just some of the songs where I'm like, I don't know that this is up to par with what you already showed me in terms of, you know, Tripoli is pretty cool. There's some other ones. And then there's just some songs that are like, okay. I think that's the one of the downfalls of making music like this, which to me sounds like, you know, sort of studio creations. 
start with a track layer, another track layer, you know what I mean? Like building mm-hmm. things up is that um, the process kind of takes you somewhere and you might get to the end of the thing place it took you and you've committed all this time to get there. And you don't always get to a place that's amazing. You get to a place that's okay. Uh, as opposed to like sitting down and like, you know, and I don't know for sure how this album was written. I'm just assuming based on what I'm hearing versus somebody who like, you know, works out a song on an acoustic guitar, you know, for months, you know, that's vocal oriented, you know, pop or pop oriented, or even just, you know, the band works it out in a room and changes it and morphs it and refines it and cut chops off parts. This feels like more additive and um, my experience kind of making that music or being around it is, you know, sometimes you end up at a place that's magical and other times you end up at a place. It's like, mm, I, it's okay. Like it's an interesting idea. It's not really, you know, a great song. Right. <laughs> what did you think of some of the flourishes like on Tripoli, there is a a record scratch being done on. That was a little goofy. Is it really a record scratch? Because I was no. It I think it's like, like it goes fake. Like like a good like the way that Tom Morello yeah. does it on his guitar. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then like on Hurley, there's like the vocal loop going on. Yeah. Um, I was actually like concerned that yeah. this was going to be like incubus or something <laughs> like an it, indie rock incub- incubus which is going to make my wife mad because she loves incubus um but uh it made me laugh it, it seemed like because i could i could tell it wasn't really a, a record i'm assuming it's like they're scratching a guitar string or something i don't know whatever yeah. but i was pretty clear it wasn't real so it, it was a more uh, humorous to me than but it did make me wonder, like, where are we going with this record? <laughs> you know, there's like yeah. uh, either serious scratching or jokey, you know, um, ironic scratching. Like, what does that mean for the rest of this record? Well, yeah, and I was concerned because then you get in in Hurley, you get that that vocal loop, and I was like, is every song going to have some sort of nod to hip hop? In in some way is like is that a thing here? Yeah, and it really was. And they were just experimenting, and that's and there's different experiments happening um, throughout the record. Yeah, and on a very small basis, this isn't like a progressive rock record or yeah, yeah. or an experimental record in any sense. But there are just like these little flourishes that are experiment. There's actually a couple samples on this record. Um, the drums on Hurley uh, utilize a sample by a minute by a song by the Minutemen. Hmm. And then the song Shag uses a drum sample by the band The Shags. Oh, wow. Okay. Which was a famous 1960s sort of. Well, there's the retro vibe I was getting from that. Yeah. So. And if you look at the pictures of the of the guys who are in the band, like um, uh, what's his name? Uh. Armistead Burwell Smith is like playing guitar, but then also sitting at a keyboard. So this feels like that kind of vibe, you know, dudes who sit at keyboards and play guitar and are like messing around with all sorts of sounds. And I, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely the vibe. 
So this came out in October of 99. I think this, as, tar, as far as a trajectory, I mean, I haven't listened to other records. I don't know what direction they went. Um, we had some people mention in the comments they would have liked us to heard the 2000 albums instead of this one. So I'm curious about, you know, if if they what they did differently. Um, but... You know, this isn't far off from early Death Cab, but early Death Cab wasn't a big hit. It wasn't until they wrote Soul Meets Body and, and you know, wrote a pop song yep. and um, got onto a major label that they became not recognizable, but just in terms of exposure. Yep. And um, which Built to Spill has never had that level of exposure. They've always been an indie darling. And you Mouse know, Mouse is a band you brought up and they popped, you know. All because of float on. Yep. You gotta have that big chorus. Yep. I think that's the one thing I don't there's not a huge chorus on any of these songs. There's some memorable lines here and there. Yeah. And some hooks, but they're not choruses. That, that was one of the options for when I said like next what's the next gear here would be either right. Give me an amazing chorus. Give me like some moments where the vocals really come front front and center. Um give me something, get louder, get what something like it's just missing that next, next gear. And yeah, I think choruses would have been not every song, but like a couple, you know, maybe every third song you get like something really, really hooky, uh, bring those harmonies back, you know, uh, from the first track, so, you know, just it's missing some elements through, through, through throughout the record. Yep. So, on our patent pended, pen, patent pended, patent pending, patent is it patent pending, or is the yes. patent is the pended? It's, it's pended. It's pending. It's pending. <laughs> on our scale of worthy album, better EP, decent single, where do you land on this, Jay? Uh, I'm still streak, a, streak I'm going? still on an EP. <laughs> I'm still on an EP. I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's a short record, but we got 10 songs, 43 minutes, you know, it's a good, it's a good length. I still would take it down. Mm -hmm. Um, I would lose at least three songs. I think at most I would have triple E Hurley and then track six through 10. So I would cut out the middle three, at least maybe, um, you know, trim here or there, uh, trim another song or two and make a much stronger EP. I agree with you. I would be at, I would do Tripoli Hurley, Loro. No, uh, Tripoli Hurley, Crutch, Rousseau, Leon, and Montagne, Montagne, Montagne. I don't know. I ever say that last one, <laughs> but I'd be at six songs. I think yeah. this, this would be six song EP for me. Well, even Loro, I like the sound of that song, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's yeah. sort of like a sketch of an idea that just kind of loops and you're like, oh, this is when it first comes on, I got excited. I was like, ooh, I, I like the tone of this. It's got a like I like the rhythm of it. Okay, cool. We're gonna go somewhere interesting. And then it right. never develops. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like the first three minutes of a built to spill song, and then yeah. the last three minutes they go into a shredding jam. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it like builds and builds and builds. And you're like, oh, something's happening here. They're, they keep building and they keep building it. And then this, this song just kind of is one 
dimension. Some shredding would have been another gear. Yeah. Like have hey, hey bring in Doug Martin. You know what? You know what needs to happen. Remember when Steve McDonald from Red Cross did the blue did the bass on the uh, white yeah. uh, Blood Cells album? We need to get Doug Marsh to just solo all over this record <laughs> and just see what would happen. First take. Yeah, we will call it built to pin back. <laughs> just see where it takes you. Yeah, I don't. I don't even want you to hear the songs. Just start playing, and we'll we'll adjust as we go. Okay. One note or one take over Zoom. (laughs) We'll do it over Zoom. Don't worry about it. All right. Well, that's a couple of EPs. Uh, Jay continues his streak uh, for the last. uh, No, I'm so conscious of this. I'm going to like when I how long it's been going on, but it's a long time now. It's It's become a thing. This is like this is like uh, when a when uh, a team. This is like when. when a, when a soccer team ties over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Ted Lasso season two. <laughs> there you go. We got to, uh, we got to get, get the, uh, we got to get you a Roy Kent to get your kicking in gear. Yes. <laughs> somebody, somebody get us a Roy Kent in here. There you go. All right. Well, we need to thank all the people who, uh, commented, who voted at Patreon. We need to thank Willie Dillon for his suggestion of, pin back and if you would like to make the uh a suggestion of what album we should have in a poll in a future poll you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com click the suggest an album button and enter your album suggestion it goes into the hopper nine new albums every month that's how it works pulled out of that hopper just for our patrons to uh to vote on and you become a patron by joining us over at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com for as little as two bucks a month you get to vote in the polls you get to uh the previews of the upcoming episodes and all sorts of good stuff plus our exclusive 80s episodes every other month new one just went up last month and that's where also you can read the box newsletter every week every weekend spend your weekend with us Kick back and read the box newsletter. Two new album reviews from new releases, music, movies, and books relevant to the 80s and 90s. Plus our review release calendar. What's out every week? There's stuff happening every week. Five or six or seven things happening every week relevant to the podcast. Sometimes I we don't even know about it until the last minute. Something drops. You know how it is now. It's all, it's all things just get dropped on a Friday. I have no idea. All of a sudden, <laughs> boom. There's a new Sting album. You don't even know it. Actually, we do now. It's coming out in November. Uh, it's okay. Are you watching uh, the what is it called? The murders in the building. Only murders in, in the only murders in the building. Yeah, we yeah. just started that. Have you gotten to the Sting album? Not yet. yet. We haven't gotten okay. to the Sting. I've seen okay. the preview. That I know that there's an episode okay. with Sting, but uh, okay. yeah, that show's good. That's I need. Cool. You, you, I just watched a stand-up special on uh, Netflix with. Uh, Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Go go watch that if you uh, if you enjoy them together. There's a, a stand up special with the two of them. Quite fun. Just them insulting each other basically for an hour and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which they're just the masters at that. Finally, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave us some positive feedback. Throw up a five star. 
we we want to get big in Belgium, just like Sheila Devine. <laughs> so, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.